grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jonna here with the... No. Nope. You. you don't hear me? Nope. Hello. Oh, I turned it down. That's why. <laughs> oh. So we are here. We are here. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Chris and Jonna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. I really don't know what else to say here besides this is episode. Okay. Episode. But you know what's funny is we're not... We're not like killing it with pre-recording anymore. That's why we stopped doing that because mm-hmm. we got lost. You guys don't care. This is episode number 111. Yeah. So on today's episode, I think we're just sitting here having one of those casual conversations about life. And sometimes we're like, you know what? Hey, we have people who listen to our show who maybe somewhat, oh, I don't know, maybe they value our perspective <laughs> a little bit. So why not just- maybe. Hit the mic and go for it. So you're saying we're doing a coffee combo? Potentially a coffee combo. Combo? Combo. Combo. Conversation. Yes. Potentially a coffee conversation. Uh, we had our coffee a little earlier, so I wouldn't say it's as uh, as That's powerful and steamy I'm at the moment. my coffee. Yeah. Anyways, so look, a couple episodes ago, we told you... About the season we were in and things have been crazy. And um, I think we touched on the fact uh, that we decided to take control of it and not just let ourselves. I don't know if you remember, but we talked about we were kind of in the fall season and we didn't want to sink into winter. So by doing that, we took inventory of our marriage and what we were doing. Um, If you recall the happiness box model of what are we doing that we don't want to be doing? What are we doing? We do want to be doing all that kind of stuff and started making changes and just kind of checking in with each other and seeing how we can course correct or pivot because the fact of the matter is, and I I think we've said this before, but how you live out your days is how you're living out your life. It's so easy to get caught in this mundane day to day and not realize that this is what is making up our lives and this is what is making up our marriage. And so I think it's important to reflect and look at what you do on a day-to-day basis with your spouse and in your family and realize if you keep going, like you're going, this is the trajectory. Tra- tra- trajectory. Traje- I, I can say, <laughs> sir, <laughs> trajectory of your marriage and of your life. So yes, that's kind of where we're at right now. So let's consider this like an audit of our day, right? So let's get like a little bit nerdy potentially and just think about, hey, if I'm taking inventory of my life and I'm saying, okay, here are the things things that are going right, things that are going wrong, all this different stuff. I think something that's important is to point back to the place of, okay, what's a huge pillar that has strengthened our marriage personally? And that would be that we are, we've been challenged to make sure that spouse over kids, right? In all of our decision-making, spouse over kids. So so our, our devotional life and our ability to get close to God together in the morning, uh, 
has a lot to do with like, okay, we got to create boundaries here and, and make sure that we're making the time, even though a little extra sleep would maybe give us a little more energy throughout the day. We are making the time to spend time together. Um, something that recently just came up that is kind of a cool spouse over kids little hack, right? Is that, so we were waking up early saying, okay, how can we get a podcast in? Or we were waking up early and saying, how can we get in, in the Bible together and spend time together before the chaos? And But what would happen is we would always just be like, oh, shoot, but what if the kids come down? Oh, man, let's just really hope that the kids don't wake up. So what do we do, Jonna? Being the systems-driven husband that my husband is, person that my husband is, he figured out, hey, we're mom and dad, and we don't have to let them come downstairs at the butt crack of dawn if we're not ready for them to get up. So Chris started doing, because truly, sleep is important, and and honestly, they don't always go back to sleep, but there there are days that they'll try to sneak down the stairs here at like 6 a.m., and we had just gotten up and started getting into our reading and stuff, and it kind of you know, derails the day. Or I don't want to say derails the day. Of course, we want to see them and snuggle on them and stuff, but it's really important for us to have that time together. So Chris made a little deal. Actually, this came in form of kind of a disciplinary type thing at first. Kind it of. just started working well, out. Actually, so I'll I'll take this from here, I guess. So at night, when we're putting the girls to bed, we've been struggling keeping them in bed, right? So we have our seasons where we're killing it, and then seasons where they all just fall apart, and literally it's chaos. So well, they're in one room in a triple bunk bed. Yes, so they're in one room now. Even though we have four bedrooms, we have them in one room together because they're all scared to be by themselves, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're having a difficult time keeping them in bed. You know, we have our little rebel Lena, who is usually the instigator of the whole mess. And so... What I realized is I was like, okay, they're not getting enough sleep. So when we would go up and say, hey, you've got, you guys have got to you know, be quiet. You're going to wake your brother up, all that stuff. The conclusion we've come to is, okay, your discipline is you're going to stay in bed longer tomorrow. Like even if you are ready to wake up, it's 15 more minutes. So then we started setting a timer. Like, okay, that's 15 more minutes. That's 15 more minutes. And we got to the point where we're like, wait a second. If we can keep them in bed till like around 7 when they're waking up at like 6.30, that'd be great. Oh, 7.30. Oh, 8. And so what we did was we, and we've kind of learned this, is if we can get our oldest, Lola, to understand a concept, it'll trickle down to the little ones. So Lola loves triggers and systems, right? Schedules and checklists. She is her father's child. She is, right? So I told Lola, I said, okay, here's the deal. You guys have to be in bed until this time, but you don't know what that means, right? You guys can't really read clocks very well or understand that concept. So I took a green piece of paper and I said, listen, your door's closed in the morning, right? When you wake up, you're going to look at the door. And in order for you to know if you're allowed to get up yet, if it's time to get up, if you see a green piece of paper under the door, that means you're good. You can get up and we'll welcome you with loving arms downstairs. <laughs> but if you don't see that green piece of paper, that means you woke up too early. So we're giving them an idea of the time through a trigger. And it's worked beautifully. Especially because in the Midwest here, I'm guessing other places too, but I can only speak for the Midwest. 
the, when the time changes, it gets really confusing because they'll be like, well, but the sun is up. Or at nighttime when they go to bed at eight and it's the summer, they're like, but the sun is still up. I'm confused. So this really helps. And even the three-year-old understands that green means go because she is the worst kind of backseat driver Heck yeah. with that. So the green piece of paper is kind of a good trigger there. Um, but it's also helped in the sense that sometimes they will get up when they're not ready just because they wake up and they know we're down here but they'll be grumpy and they'll be demanding and they'll act like they're starved to death and all this and they'll start fighting. So this has kind of given them a chance to just get up more slowly. A lot of times they get dressed on their own or the other day Lola still tried to come down because she likes to push the limits and I'm like, nope, it's not time yet. You know, go up here and we've given them a timer too. actually. Um, we've got a nice little timer that shows the time as it ticks down, we got that for school. So that's another thing we'll talk about. But um, anyways, she's gone upstairs and colored and just kind of given themselves. They need that quiet time anyways. They're constantly all together. If you have multiple kids, you might understand what we're talking about, especially because we homeschool and work from home and live from <laughs> live from home. We do live, we from live from home. home. Yes. Okay. Anyways. Um, that is something we do frequently. We do live here in our home. Anyways, um, so I'm, I'm sure somebody's probably like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But my kid would just not care and come down. It does happen. And it's something we've chosen to just be consistent with, uh, with sending them back up, even whenever I'm just, you're looking at me and I don't know what happened. Did my the thought, thought just, just went, fly like, away, just like jumped out of your jumped, brain. It, it's totally fine. The reason I brought this up is because we realize like we have to take control of the most coveted part of our day and that's our time together in the morning right no one loves to wake up at 5 a.m but if we have nope. to do it it is what it is so if we're waking up at 5 a.m and we want to be together but there are circumstances that we felt were not under our control which is the kids are going to wake up early and be grumpy and run our time together we said nope spouse over kids let's create a system where you know what like we can control this so now we know that the only kid that could wake up is little Ledger, which hopefully he won't, right? But but the odds are much better now, right? Also, he doesn't talk and ask a bunch of he, questions. He does not talk and ask a bunch of questions. He just screams at the top of his lungs, which is even better. But basically, <laughs> where we're at now is we're like, okay, the girls aren't waking up till 7.30. And if they screwed up and they stayed up really late, then they're not waking up till 8. Great. Yeah, that's like the best kind of discipline is one that benefits you. A lot of times discipline disciplines us. Like, okay, if you don't do that, we're not going here. I'm like, shoot, I wanted to go there. Like, this is a discipline to me, punishment for me. So that's the best kind of discipline. In addition, this has enabled us because Chris is trying to help me toolbox my days because I am the one, I'm the primary caretaker here with four little people. And so something that has also helped with keeping them upstairs is prepping breakfast and getting things together for the morning before they come down. I have sensory issues, I believe, in parenting. It's something that I've really learned over the last couple of years. And so I get super triggered and frustrated and irritable when I'm trying to make breakfast and keep Ledger out of the cabinets and the girls are whining, they're hungry or they're fighting with each other or they're demanding a different breakfast or they're, you know, complaining about what I'm making or whatever, asking to do a million things as soon as they open their eyes, I get super, super overwhelmed. So the last week or so, 
Chris or I have been prepping and getting breakfast ready before they come down. And that's because we know really, what time they're coming down. It, that's what I mean. It's huge. Yes. Like, why do we never think of this before? It takes having a lot of kids for us to figure out systems because you have no choice but to implement systems. And so that's really helped too, is putting that system into place so that I can greet them happily because I could find myself feeling irritated when they'd come down um, and interrupt our time or interrupt what I was doing. And I felt bad because they just want to come down and spend time with us, but this works a lot better. And which something else I will say that I haven't even told you about yet, babe, but I, I, I did this yesterday and you may not have noticed. So when they came down, it was finally time to come down. I, you know, me and you had some coffee in us and like we have things to talk about and stuff. I chose to not talk to you for like 10 minutes. And the reason I did that. You're just being rude. No. (laughs) And the reason I did that is because I was thinking, you know what? They probably will respond really well if we just shower them with attention Mm -hmm. immediately and don't like try and talk over them and stuff like that. So I think it's really important that we keep doing that because like literally if we're waking up at a certain time and we have 90 minutes to two hours by ourselves, we should get in what we need to get in as far as conversation. And then that's a lot of talking uninterrupted for us. Yeah, for sure. So I was thinking maybe we'll, Keep that as a little bit of a rule. As soon as the girls come down, okay, here we go. Bada boom, bada bing. They're all coming down at the same time for the most part. So it's going to be chaos. So we can't try to have a combo. You know, that's true because because we are so focused on spouse over kids, I, I think sometimes we make them resentful of that because anytime we're having a conversation, we don't let them interrupt us. And I think that's good for the most part because they see mommy and daddy are talking and and this is important for us to be able to have a conversation. But like you said, they come downstairs, they're excited to see us. I'm sure, I don't know, that just clicked in my mind. That makes sense to give them that time and not always try to have conversations in front of them. Yeah. Plus it's hard and it makes me more irritable because you like to crank worship music to the concert yeah. level while yeah. everybody's talking and doing things at the same time. Yeah, man, I like to listen to music in the morning when we... I- I usually put the uh, the music on YouTube and stuff, and it kind of fills the living room, and I I like it. But yeah, you are a little sensory overload on that. I stuff. like it when we're not conversating. I can't yes. I can't talk and do especially all when that. they're all talking at the same time. Oh gosh, it, honestly, you. it makes so, my blood boil. I know it does. It's bad. I need to work on that. So the reason I bring that up is because I feel like if anyone listening can figure out, okay, what what is a coveted time of the day that I would like to create with my spouse and how can I control that to the point where we're not interrupted or create systems or triggers for the kids to understand, Hey, this is mommy, daddy time. Like this is, this is exactly what is going to happen. And our expectations are this and boom, that's it. It's so important for us to have that time in the morning. We have told you guys this, it is beyond important. And so we will stick with this and make sure that this is something that our kids understand and we can protect. So if you can think of something in your schedule, like, oh, this just isn't working. Like we, sometimes we have to toolbox those things and figure out how we can fix those things. Because, man, it, like you said, if, if we're just letting life whiz by, it is frustrating to think of how many 
moments are missed from an opportunity perspective of spending time together when there's limited time available. True. And this isn't time together, but something else that just came into my mind, I haven't perfected this yet, but it's something I'm working on. And I know a lot of moms do, do do it is quiet time. So if you have kids that no longer nap, but that are home, it can be really, again, overstimulating and really hard to go all day long with no kind of break. And so I've been trying to, you know, I'm still trying to figure out our homeschool schedule and stuff, but quiet time. I've made up a bunch of busy boxes of quiet activities. Um, We're trying to cut back on screen time. So I have all these little plastic shoe boxes full of different things like little magnet tiles, Play-Doh, some other little quiet activities. And for the non-napping kids, implementing a quiet time where you separate the kids so they're not fighting and talking because, I mean, Lord knows the three girls are not going to sit together quietly. Um, Separate them. I'm trying to figure out how to do that when our baby is napping and then giving mommy an hour. Again, setting that timer, having triggers, especially with the timer. I think what's important about that is that makes them feel like they have more control than they do because, I mean, imagine just being told what you're doing all day long and then like, nope, just stay in there till I come get you, which is what we would normally do. Them being able to see that timer going down and understanding there's a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, I think really helps. So if you're a burnt out mom who doesn't get a break throughout the day, figure out a way to implement quiet time, whether it's napping. I know my one friend, she just has her four-year-old doesn't nap anymore, but she'll make him go in his room and just, he can read quietly in his bed or whatever. And sometimes he'll fall asleep. So yeah, that is another little. Yeah. So, so those are a couple of things we're doing right now, as far as systems wise, protecting some certain times of the day that are important to us. And I mean, I guess I would just ask you to think about whoever is listening here. I would just ask you to think about based on your schedule now, like one, are you happy with your schedule as a couple? I almost feel like I see somebody shaking their head like, heck no, there's way too many activities here. It would appear that although we want to say spouse over kids, our kids are inundated with activities that dominate our schedule. And yeah, we want them to be in sports and we want them to do those things, but what boundaries need to be created to make sure we're protecting important things? So for us, something that's super important and the reason we have literally said no to things is because for some reason, it's like some of the activities the kids are in would take precedence over church. And we're like, no, like that literally is the most important thing to us is our church and being at church together as a family. Our kids love it. We love it. It it fills us up for the week. I'm telling you, it's just something we will not budge on. And so we've had that conversation rather than Jonna saying, hey, I want to get the girls into this, but it's on Sundays and just signing them up because she knows they would love it. We talk about it and we know this is important and we will never let it get trumped. Truth. Truth. And... <laughs> What was I going to say? What were you going to say? I was going to say, it's hard because I'm looking at the things I need to do in this room. <laughs> I have such clutter is a real distraction for me. I know. You are a, what was that one show that we watched oh, where yeah. they talked about the different type of organizer you are? So there are some people who are visual organizers. You need to see everything in its place. There's some people who are hidden organizers where you hide things behind doors. Um, 
some people who are like really freaking simple, like you can't see anything or know anything's there. You are the person who needs like a uh, hidden organization. No, 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 no. You, know. you kind of like clutter, right? No, I don't like, no, like, okay. Yeah. So we've got, we're putting together our school room. We've got these open box shelves. And as long as the books are nice on there, I'm okay with the that. Children love the books. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But countertops, like tables and countertops, I can't stand stuff being on. Like this is driving me nuts. It is distracting me. Sorry. Anyway. No, it's it's good. I think <clears throat> I shouldn't have cleared my throat in the mic. The people need to know. The people need to know. Well, so I want to steer more away from the kid thing, even though I know a lot of people who listen have kids here. I get it. But again, how can we how can we look at our schedules and have some self-awareness of being like, okay, this isn't working or this is working. Like what is working in your schedule? What is not working in your schedule? You have control of your life. <laughs> like as a couple, I think something we forget is we have control of our schedule outside of work. And, and we even have control of schedule with, within our work because there's probably jobs you can find that meet a better schedule for you. But at the end of the day, are you spending enough time together at the end of the evening, or is that totally trumped by everything to the point where you're just wasted of energy by the time you get home, you have no time together, and the only thing you want to do is somewhat stimulate your brain or be in a, you know, uh, a state of just mindless activity, mindless like activity scrolling like scrolling social media, and then just getting fired up about someone politically who disagrees with you, and then that impacts your attitude towards whoever talks to you next, and you snap at them, or you feel like you have something really insightful to say to somebody on Facebook just to get them to see their own epiphany and change and they're not gonna. And it's time you could be spending at home with your spouse because we're literally not spending time with each other when we are scrolling or commenting or whatever. When we're in the same room, we're always trying to be with other people virtually all over the world. I just think there's so many things we can, we can look at and be like, what is not working? within our daily lives. Yeah, I think that's the key. It's just, like I said in the beginning, it's so easy to just get in this mundane day-to-day, this is just what we do, and not and, and not realize how important that self-awareness is and just taking that first step of saying, okay, what, what? Like, like you said, we're in control of our lives. That's like a novel thought sometimes, I think. It's like, what? Do I wish that we were doing? What can we do differently? And just do it. <laughs> Talk to your spouse. Be on the same page. Have a vision for your marriage and for your life. Um, we don't do that every single day. We don't talk about our vision for our marriage, but we know we're on the same page with what we want and we'll catch ourselves. We sit down. I mean, I know it's <laughs> so much easier for me to call out Chris when he's on my on his phone and how annoying it is to me versus, you know, if I'm on my phone, but yeah, we could probably compare who's on social media longer and bash the other, right? No, we shouldn't do that. Silence. Nope. Silence. <laughs> the only time I'm on social media is in the bathroom when I'm hiding. <laughs> right. Mostly. <laughs> it makes sense. Well, so here's a deeper question to ask. Let's ask it. Is if your schedule, let's say you're unhappy with your schedule and it doesn't change. What is, and we've asked this question before, but I think it applies all the time and it's always relevant. What's the trajectory of your relationship or your connection as a couple if the same schedule 
keeps going for the next five years. Because I know there are some people out there who are trying to give your kids a great place to live, you know, trying to give your kids more than you ever had, but you might be high-fiving your spouse on the way out the door in schedules. You might have a a spouse that works third shift, makes great money, uh, and you work a different shift, or, you know, you might be a nurse or whatever. Like, I know there's got to be people out there who have schedules you hate. Why are you accepting that? And are you guys talking about it? Do you know what your spouse wants? Like, not just do you know what you want, but do you know what your spouse wants? Do you know if they're happy? Do you think they're happy with the schedule you guys have? And I don't know, just that give and take, like the mornings sometimes, we need to be better about being intentional about it, but sometimes you'll you'll be like, okay, we've got an hour until I've got to start work. Why don't you go on a walk and listen to something? And Chris being able to recognize when I need that is so helpful to me. And it's just a little way of showing me, hey, you care about my day and you understand that I'm about to go into the the uh the lions den. The lions dude. den here. I our <laughs> brutal love our children, but it is tough being home with them all day. So yeah, seeing where your spouse is at too and trying to make adjustments to your schedule to help them is also key. Yeah, and I think something on the extreme end we do sometimes is we're like, well, look, I need this. This is this is part of my self-care, so live with it type of thing. This is what I need. I need to go on my walks. I need to exercise. I need to do this. I need, I need to do that. Well, again, like, ugh, there's a lot of things that can be building up on the other end. It's like, okay, so for instance, right now, I'm, I'm spending time with uh, some some older guys from church who are a couple stages ahead of me. I'm like, man, I need to be around these guys. I need to ask questions and be like, oh, help me with my anger. Help me with this. Help me with that. And that's something I'm doing. But then I got to ask John, I'm like, hey, uh, if I'm doing this, is this cool? Like this fills me up. But I also know that you need some time too. So what can I sacrifice if I'm going to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday? What can I sacrifice on those Tuesday, Thursdays that you need, or maybe I'll meet with this person every other week, even though I'd like to meet with them weekly. I'll meet with them every other week because I want you to find somebody that you can do this with too, or a friend that you know you need to connect with, or whatever, you know, like whatever it is. I just think it's important that we are super communicative. I said that really well there, didn't I? Communicative. I thought I would stutter that, but is that a word? It is now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think it's important that our communication is really strong when it comes to, well, here's what I know I need, but yeah, let's run that by our, even if it's like, hey man, hey man, dude, give me a massage a month, like as far as going somewhere and getting away, figure that out. Does it fit in the budget? Does it not fit in the budget? If it doesn't fit in the budget, how can it fit in the budget? Because it's really important. Anything and everything we can think of that are going to just keep us feeling alive and enjoying life. (laughs) Right? Jeez. Yeah. And I think it's easy. I think what you said is important because I think it's easy to feel prideful. Like, okay, for me being a stay at home mom, it could be easy for me to be like, okay, you owe me some time away. You're always gone. I get some time, but then realizing, Hey, but when you're gone, you're working and you're making money to support our family. And you also need 
like you said, that time at the gym or that time with a friend uh, or a mentor or whatever. Um, and then vice versa, you could easily get prideful and be like, like you're, you know, I need this. So sorry. So checking in with each other is, I mean, again, communication is always top of the line. Yeah. I feel like it always comes down to that, but I think it comes down to that because it's something that's so blocked today. It's so So blocked. blocked. It's just, like I said, we're so inundated with notifications. We're so stressed all the time. There's just so much happening. We're all looking to fulfill a need. It's just, we're fulfilling a need even when we're scrolling social media. It's like, I need to be in a state of like some stimulation, but really just not having to think about something. Or I, for me, sometimes it's, I just want to have an intellectual conversation that is not interrupted by anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to I type this out. I want to share this thought or this perspective. Or so, sometimes I pick the worst timing ever, mm-hmm. usually on like <laughs> Sundays when the world's falling apart after church and the kids are like losing their minds. I'll be like, I want to read. <laughs> She's like, really? You got to read right now? And sometimes I'll pace the house holding a book while the chaos is ensuing because I just want to read. I need some me time. I, I need to get away. Uh, and it's maybe not the best strategy. <laughs> You're figuring that out, huh? Kind of, sort of, maybe in real time here. That's because on Saturdays and Sundays, now that Chris is, is not an entrepreneur and those are no longer work days, I'm like always... I've always got these high expectations. Like we're going to get our lives together this weekend. We're going to meal plan and we're going to clean and we're going to get rid of stuff. And we're going to paint a room and all these things that I cannot hardly do with four children throughout the week. Yeah. So again, that goes down to communication though, because if I don't tell you, Hey, this is what I'd really like to do Saturday. And you pick up a book like a normal human would want to do on a weekend. I like get angry. I'm like, I shouldn't be angry at you right now. Because you didn't know that I had a chore list for you today. True. True. <laughs> Communication. Right? True. So this is one of our more practical episodes in a while. Yeah maybe, yeah, maybe a little more practical for sure. But hopefully it's something that people can be. Hopefully you can apply some of the things we're saying to whatever season or stage you're in. Because I know, like I said, there's some of you, the homeschool or the stay-at-home mom thing, it's the furthest thing off your list. You're working full-time. Both of your spouses are working full-time, whether it's like 10, 12-hour shifts or whatever. I I don't know. But I do know that there's a level of satisfaction attached to whatever we're doing and how our days and weeks are playing out because the monotony is real. And I never realized that until I you know, gave up the entrepreneurship thing. Now I'm like, okay, I see it. I feel it. There's this Monday through Friday Everybody you talk to on Friday is like, happy Friday. And on Wednesday, everyone's like, hump day, we're almost there. (laughs) Like, why are we living our lives like that? We have to make sure that, I mean, there's purpose in our week. And we're learning and we're growing and we're getting better. And we're educating ourselves. And we're spending our time on the right thing. I think something that always hits me is, as much as sometimes it's nice to get on social and scroll and stuff, I do ask myself sometimes, like what what are the long term implications here <laughs> like it really doesn't matter that much that i w- check this news feed and see what these people are saying because usually what happens if you get in a heated conversation is you have a back and forth thread where people are disrespectful and trying to get you to see a certain way and one side's blind and one side's not depending on 
who, <laughs> depending on what you believe. And then it just kind of ends with this hatred where people just attack you or you attack them. And it's just not good. Well, it doesn't, doesn't really change do anything. anything. And then it affects your relationship with that person because then that's kind of the last taste you have in your mouth of them. And it's like, did that change their view? Yeah. I was, I was arguing with someone recently and we, I was just, I, I'm very evidence-based. I, I like to throw things out and be like, okay, how'd you come to that conclusion? Because here's the evidence that I see. And I like to have intellectual conversations with people, but some people won't go there. They just refuse. And the dude's response after a huge thread was, well, I can't trust your opinion because you tried to get me to believe in God one time. I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay, cool. Glad I wasted an hour here. Like, this is so ridiculous. People are ridiculous. It's just the facts, well, it just, especially on social media. It just proves the blindness and the hardened hearts to any type of truth. And of truly, I don't care if this sounds dramatic or not. Christians are literally becoming the most hated people in this country on social media, at least. Maybe not in, in normal life, but because I don't, I don't think social media is real life. Truly. It's pretty amazing, actually. We were at a restaurant recently. Um, we got a babysitter. Shout out to Allie. Yes. And we got to go to dinner. And our server was so nice. And we got along with him really well. Um, and this is, I mean, I'm making a judgment here. But I could pretty well assume, based on some things about him, that we probably would have differing political and, and religious views. Is that bad to say? Can I just be more blunt? No. Usually, this isn't bad. Who cares? Usually, people who are showing flamboyance have multicolored hair and have a little more of a radical look to them are against our political beliefs. Well, they do say like blue usually the blue haired liberal girl is like a very common right. statement. But I mean, not always though. My sister has pink hair, so. <laughs> And I have a nose ring. So, wait a minute, what does that say? I always forget you have one, but yeah. Now, I mean, there's more to it that made me, you know, sometimes they'll wear like a certain kind of pin that states a very strong political view or something. Regardless, my point is not in judging this person. My point is saying you can kind of tell sometimes what somebody believes about something just based on. Well, stereotypes are real. Small interactions. Regardless of if it's well, that, offensive or not. Right. That's how they become stereotypes because right. enough people right. fit that mold. Anyways. My whole point in being in saying this is it's very interesting how in-person interaction before you know somebody's stance on the government or COVID or anything like that, any of the big topics right now, you you first see them as a human and you can have a conversation and it doesn't have to be filled with anger and hate and you can get along and find common ground because we're all humans, you know, like I would never, regardless of your political views or your whatever views, I would never treat you badly on social media either because I'm not a hate filled person. I don't think, I mean, I do get frustrated with, um, you're such an empath. You, you get frustrated when you feel like people are totally missing the point, but they get frustrated right. too. So. Well, but I get frustrated because I, my heart, I feel like, is in the right place when I share things and whenever I have a conversation. It's not like, I hate you, you bigoted, terrible, you know, name-calling stuff. I would never do that. Anyways, but in person, 
the interaction is so much different because you can find common ground, like I said, as human beings. And it just, I don't know, it kind of made me sad to see how much hate we deal with on social media because at the end of the day, like we're all human. And I don't think it would be that way if we were face-to-face having conversations. Yes. There are so many people we encounter in life where we would probably argue on social media back and forth and most people are keyboard warriors. They're not going to really tell you what they think to your face. Mm-hmm. They're just going to get behind a keyboard and hide behind one. And then you got people like me who like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I typed <laughs> and I'm going to type like I'm telling you right? like over the phone <laughs> and it might be a little long winded. you're not going to name call and be No, I'm not going to name call and stuff. But anyways, yeah, that was a tangent. Rando. What were we talking about that for? Uh, uh, we're just talking about basically that social media honestly is truly a waste. It actually really is. It is. And something I think that's important to note here is, and we've talked about this privately and mentioned some things too, but basically it's our willpower against our pleasure centers in our brain. And you're not going to win that battle. Literally, we all know social media, our news feeds. If you get off of Facebook for a month, your news feed is going to be boring. If you're on there for an hour after that, straight, your newsfeed's going to get interesting. The next day, it's going to be even better. Now, if you frequently check in with social media, your newsfeed is going to addict you. Every other thing you scroll past is going to catch your attention because it's all engineered. So because they've brilliantly put this together, it works for them, right? Because they've brilliantly put this together, we are fighting against our pleasure centers in our brain. You're not going to win that battle. So what it comes down to is you have to step away from social media and ask yourself, what am I missing being sucked into this virtual world? Like there are some really great things about this, but what am I missing? Am I missing my kids grow up? Are are my kids seeing me with my face down into my phone, looking at this screen while they're trying to ask me a question or talk to me? Is it totally normal to them to walk around the house and grab a fake phone and act like they're texting or on social media and say, look, I'm daddy. I'm watching the Reds game on my phone or I'm or I'm mommy. I'm checking Instagram. Like, do is that what we want? No. And I think that's I think that always hits me with conviction because it's so easy to let that happen again, especially because I'm home all day. And that's not what I want them to see as normal. And I know how it makes me feel when I try to talk to somebody and they're looking at their phone. I don't want our kids to feel that way. I want them to know that we care about what they have to say, even when sometimes we don't care. Oh, yeah. There's just 90% of the time I don't care uh, because it's so service level. I'm like, can we, is there so a little more substance, level. six-year-old, that you can give me? <laughs> I keep trying to explain to you, though. We have to care and show them we care now with the little stuff that's still big to them so that when they're older, they know that they have a safe place to come and talk to us with the big stuff. Yes, for sure. This may or may not apply, but I think this has kind of been a random episode anyway. So here's something that I think is really interesting in evaluating our lives. So something that I have found that has been pretty powerful in developing a better relationship with my kids, you know, especially when they come to me and I act like I don't care and all that stuff, is just being really open and honest with them and humble to apologize to them. Mm-hmm. They really 
really appreciate that. Uh, there's so many times where I'm frustrated about something and my initial knee-jerk reaction is, I'm dad, it's fine, I don't have to say sorry. But my six-year-old especially is really catching on to the point where she knows when I've when I've blown it and she expects an apology. And I think that's something that I'm finding a lot of uh, a lot of purpose and satisfaction in is kind of being pushed to be more apologetic with her and humble and just show her, yeah, I'm dad. Yeah, I'm authority, but I screw up too. I think that's one of the most important things we can do for our kids is, and and I'm sure I've said this in some way, but we come from a generation where most of our parents were, you know, because I'm another parent and that's why, and they kept their private lives, lives private. And so growing up, you see your parents as, you know, you think they know everything, like, especially when you're little, you think your parents literally have the answer to everything in life. You think that they are, I don't want to say God, but I feel like you do. Like when you're little, at least I did. I'm like, my parents know everything. They know, they can do anything. They're perfect. Their marriage is perfect. Their lives are perfect. Yada, yada. So when you don't see them screw up and then you become an adult or a teenager, somebody old enough to kind of see life. And then you start to realize they're not perfect and they do make mistakes. And, you know, you can kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit. Then it kind of is like, it's like a shock. It's like, you feel like you've been lied to or you didn't really know your parents like you thought you did. I'm sure a lot of us feel that way. Cause I think so many of us come from that type of household, like the authoritarian authoritarian, you know, I'm the parent and that's why, and that's it. No apologies, no anything like that, because there's a very big divide between parent and child, which there is, but showing our kids our mistakes enables them and allows them to real not beat themselves up when they make a mistake because like, wait, mommy and daddy make mistakes too. Mommy and daddy have to ask Jesus for forgiveness too. Lola comes to me all the time, the six-year-old and says how hard being a big sister is. And it'd be easy to laugh that off, but she has three going on four little siblings and she's only six. That is hard. I put a lot of responsibility on her. I expect a lot out of her and Truly, all first kids are the guinea pigs. She's been the the receiving end of all of our parenting fails so far. I'm in that. So sometimes she will be really mean to her sisters or she will do something and I'll be like, you know, you're the big sister or whatever. And she will come to me and ask me, hey, I'm having a hard time being nice to my sisters. Can you pray with me? Can you help me? to be better. And, and instead of me being like beating her into the ground more, which I do do sometimes because I do take out my frustrations on her because she's the oldest and it's not right. But instead of me saying, you know, you need to be nice and you need to get over it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. See, it's hard for me to be a mommy sometimes. And I lose my temper with you guys sometimes too, when you annoy me, just like you're losing your temper with Lindley when she's annoying you. And we can have that moment and we can pray together and she can see that she doesn't have to beat herself up because she will. She internalizes that stuff. And she's like, I'm such a bad sister. And I don't yes. know why I'm so terrible. And I don't want her to feel like she has to be perfect to receive love. Because as Christians, 
we know that God's grace covers all of the mistakes we make every single day. And so that's my little little tangent tangent on the importance of being real and humble in front of our children age appropriately, obviously. Yes. Let me tell this story real quick. Um, So it's really been cool because, and this is kind of funny and I never expected this, but Lola, our six-year-old has kind of become my little therapist with (laughs) our youngest girl, Lena. So you guys, if you've been listening long enough, you know, Lena is my kryptonite. (laughs) Uh, She's just so hard. She just is beyond rebellious. And so a specific set of circumstances happened just a couple of weeks ago where we could not get her to do anything. We tried the gentle parenting thing. We try, hey, come to your own conclusion. All these different things, <laughs> right? Hey, what do you do when we go to bed? Do we do this? Do we do this? Do we, no, we don't do that. You know, just joking with her, anything I could. And she just would not do it to the point where she was so over the top, especially when she's tired, it's terrible. But she was so over the top rebellious that it came to the point where I was finally got her to brush her teeth after like asking eight times. And, and then she finally was freaking out like, no, I want mommy to do it. I'm like, no, you're going to brush your teeth. She starts brushing her teeth. And then I'm like, okay, spit. And even me asking her to spit, she's like, I'm not going to spit. I'm like, you're going to hold the toothpaste in your mouth. You're not going to spit. And so I literally was just so frustrated. Like I lost my mind. So I, I lean her over the sink. I put my fingers in her mouth and I just start like shoveling out the toothpaste (laughs) because she won't spit. Like it's just unbelievably frustrating. And I lost my mind, just completely lost my mind, you know, and in my mind, I'm justifying. I asked her 20 times, like, what more can I do here? Right. And Lena's losing her mind crying and I start putting her in bed and stuff. And I shut the door. I say, you're going to bed. Shut the door. And I'm sitting out there in our loft and Lola comes out and she just like sits next to me and she just understands the moment. She sits next to me and she's just being real quiet and she just kind of like starts patting my back. and She's like. you know, daddy, when you yell, it just makes her more upset. <laughs> I was like, I know, Lola. And I was like, but I don't know what to do. Like, she's so frustrating, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, first off, you got to calm yourself down right now. I just need you to breathe. <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious. She's like, I just need you to breathe. And she's like, maybe you should just pray and ask God to help you with your anger. And I was like, girl, you're killing it right now. <laughs> like, It's just so funny. But I've I've been so grateful that God has helped me humble myself to be able to show her like, I, this is my biggest failure is anger when the logic is so far away. And I know that little girl's brain has not developed Lena uh, to the point where she understands the logic of the things I'm asking her to do. But Lola gets it. Like she understands those moments and she's like, she supports her dad and I allow her to support me. And it's kind of funny because you know, I'm all over her all the time. I'm like, hey, you did this wrong. You know, you need to ask God for forgiveness, yada, yada, yada. But the funny thing is now I think our relationship is growing because she sees daddy fails too and daddy's admitting his failure. I don't know why, but of course that made me an emotional. <laughs> but if you see what's good about that is Lola wouldn't know those type of coping mechanisms or recognize that scene if we hadn't shown her our humility in those moments, or if you would have just pushed her away, like I'm the dad, give me a minute kind of thing. You know, she was able to recognize how you handled it wasn't wrong. And here's how you should handle it, but not in a, not in a disrespectful way. Um, 
and yeah, that's hard. I mean, Lena's three and she's gone from the baby of the family to now about to be the exact middle child in the like two, ta- of the kids. two years. <laughs> I love her. She's so hard. I've never experienced a human like her in my life. She here's Ever. the thing. Here's Ever. when when it's not in the middle of the chaos, it's really easy for me to recognize what's going on with her. She went from being the baby to the middle child. She knows that we're about to have another baby. I think that's really hard on her. And kids, we've talked about this. They will get your attention one way or another. Her she gets it. Her method of choice is to wreak havoc in this house. She is the instigator, like no instigator. Her two older sisters can be sitting there coloring and just being really chill, and she will just run up and grab crayons and run away or rip their paper. Or or, I'll, or daddy will walk down the steps, and I'll turn the corner, and she'll just punch me right in the balls. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding you guys. She literally would just not punch me right in a mean way. She's right just being, like, in goofy. the freaking balls. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, why like i want i want to love you and you're making it so hard for me to just sit here in pure love and adoration for you because everything you do is like she walked up to me the other day and she just tears skin off my arm like Stop guys i'm making not no nope, so she is who she is like i still have i still have the skin tear on my arm from like two weeks ago I'm like, man, why, why is that getting she's worse? So I'm serious. I, I could literally look, post a picture. She's literally running up and doing it and like laughing though. She thinks she's being funny when yeah. she does this yeah, stuff. She'll just walk up and all the other girls when I come home will give me a hug or <laughs> hug me on the leg or whatever. She'll hug me and she'll look up at me with her little blonde curls and she'll grit her teeth and she'll dig her nails into my leg. Like that is Lena, guys. Like it is I cannot describe to you how hard it is to be her father. You'll be like, you'll be like, we'll be at the dinner table and be like, Lena, what do we do in our chair? Because we don't let them get up out of their chairs or stand in their chairs. There's just too many of them to let them get up and down. It makes me insane. And she's such a rebel that she will just like squat. Like, stop, like knees or butt. And instead of sitting on her knees or on her butt, she'll just like squat. Like, see, I'm not standing. Like, she just pushes every button but she's also so funny so smart so sweet funny if you're not the one getting she she thinks i'm like steel (laughs) i think it's just she she used to call you wait what she used to call you Um, big giant or something the the big giant yeah is that what it was the, the giant the giant yeah, yeah she referred to me so as the giant for a while you're strong and this big strong so giant funny. daddy that she can just beat up i don't even think she thinks i'm daddy i think she's just like <laughs> the giant's here again <laughs> stop <laughs> we were at the pool the other day she just says the funniest things we're walking to the pool and first of all i don't know where she goes we're making great time i'm like what who talks like that at three then we get in the pool she goes Mom, I spit the water out because I didn't want to drink the butt water. I was like, oh, my gosh. I She's can't so funny. Child. She's funny. Anyway. She'll probably be a, a dirty comedian one day. Hopefully stop. not. But <laughs> just is what it is. No, you know what I was talking about, actually, in real time here, or real talk? Because this goes along with that one triggers chapter that we read. She has such a strong personality and such a rebellious heart about her. Mm. But... I'm really hoping that goes the right direction. Like we will raise her up in the faith and with these convictions. And I hope that means that nobody will be able to step on her toes with her faith because she will 
she is and so she'll rebel against culture well i hope yeah i hope her rebellion doesn't Sounds go against unlikely, us but I hope as she's right. an adult i hope her rebellion goes against like i don't want to be like the world hopefully no it doesn't hopefully no what did vody bakum say he said that homeschooled kids who are raised in a christian with a christian view in the home mm-hmm. are 90 to 95 percent less likely to leave the faith same. That is huge because kids these days are leaving the faith. Like I forget what the statistic is, but it's something. Well, just people in general are just well, people who are raised their own in the faulty version of God, creating progressivism, all that stuff. So, okay, the kids are waking up, uh, meaning the one that we have no control over. So we're gonna have to wrap this thing up. A little random today. Hopefully, it still was uh, something you guys could just think about. What's happening in your life, whether it's the relationship with your kids, the schedule you have, how can things get better? What level of communication do we need to have with our spouse to make sure we understand, okay, hey, are you happy with this? Am am I happy with this? I don't know. Oh, am I good with your schedule in the morning? Mm, Not really. Am I good with, uh, you know, being in this role? Uh, Am I good with my job? Am I good with the money we're making? You know, I think I think there are even things that we can have a conversation about and be like, hey, um, just to be real, I think we should be making more money as a family. Okay, well, cool. What does that look like? What what do we need to do? What are we willing to give up? What are we not willing to give up? Are we willing to work tons of hours or do we need to find a different career that's going to just require um, more certifications and not a crazy amount of hours and stuff like that? Is it, hey, I maybe maybe mom is like, look, I need accountability and I want a coach or I want a personal trainer or I want this and the money's not there. Well, okay, dad, what? What are we going to do? Are we going to figure it out? Is it something that we can justify? It's so important for mom because she wants to she wants to feel sexy, she wants to have the confidence that she had before kids, all that stuff and we have to make it work. I, you know, we got to have these conversations. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Does this work within our family vision of what we're trying to accomplish? I don't think we always have to lay out this perfect grandiose vision because not everything's going to go as planned. But I think the purpose and the intent of this episode is these are conversations me and John have on the couch all the time. It's just like, hey, let's talk about this. I'm frustrated here. I'm this. I'm this. I'm that. And that transparency changes the game. Even in the crappiest, unsexiest seasons that we can imagine in our lives, it changes the game to be fully transparent with each other in Full communication. You're annoying me. I don't like this. Hey, can you even the dumbest things like, dude, I, I, I clean the whole kitchen by myself. Can you just unload the dishwasher? Can you just sweep the floor? Can you just do this? Like, just me. Come on, man. Like we that, we got married for a reason. And that is to be one to to try to, you know, grow together and make sure that we're living our lives to the fullest extent of our God given miracle life <laughs> that God gave us. And there is ledger. That's my cue. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If this episode brought you value, please go ahead and share it. Don't forget, you can text us at 513-620-4333 and ask us questions. Give us some feedback. Give us a review. Any of those things. We just want to hear from you. 